The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to episode number 79 of MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. Thanks for tuning in. Today is Sunday, February 4th, Super Bowl Sunday to some. Um, I don't really have a dog in this race, so I don't really care that it's Super Bowl. I don't think I've watched a football game the entire season. But I am joined by my co-host, who I think is watching the game later. I don't know. Jeff, the Animal Wilson, how's it going on this Super Bowl Sunday afternoon, my friend. Bill, I'm excited. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's that thing that people think is a world championship, even though it's only two teams from the United States. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's no teams anywhere else in the world, then that makes them the world champion, doesn't it? I mean, unless do they even have football teams anywhere else? It's only here, right? I'm not sure. You're asking the wrong guy. I don't really care. I'm a I'm, soccer. Head. I'm going to create a sport, and I, I'm going to declare myself the world champion of that sport. <laughs> I decided, and I, I'm not going to let anybody else participate in it. But uh, I don't really care for football anymore. I don't. I don't know what happened. I just kind of fell out of it, and it's nothing to do with like the political drama that's going on. You know what I did this morning, Jeff? I woke up and I went outside and I was chopping some fucking wood. That's what I did. You know what I say? The boys are concerned with who's going to win the Super Bowl. I'm busy doing man shit over here. I'm <laughs> I'm bathing in my own musk, Jeff. I don't even nice. I don't even shower. I I just I just run a damp rag across my balls and wipe my face with it. That's how. <laughs> Dude, I have I was so full of testosterone this morning chopping wood that Vitor Belfort called me and asked for a, a few vials of my blood. He wants to, uh, <laughs> he wants to do some supplementation before his next fight, whenever that happens to be. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about, uh, my wood splitting skills. I'm just trying to keep in shape here, Jeff. You know, I see a lot of these dads that, uh, you know, they have kids and then they just get the life sucked out of them. Their hair falls out. They, they, they develop these big guts and everything. Like, I, I'm just trying to stay active, you know. I got to the gym yesterday. I got some rolls in. Happy about that. I was chopping chopping the wood this morning for a, a campfire that I was gonna have, but now it's raining, so I can't do that. But you know, Jeff, I just I, I want to be I want to be a fit dad. That's a, that's my life goal. I don't want to be one of these dads that just looks like life has defeated them. That's uh that's my ultimate goal anyway let's get into some mma talk that's what this show is all about after all ufc fight night 125 from belém para brazil uh headlined by leota machida and eric anders i could not get excited for this fight but as it was happening i was really into it aside from the fact that i had to pause the live broadcast to uh change a diaper and then I was a little bit behind you and I were texting live. And then I was like, hold on, <laughs> don't, don't say anything else. I had to pause for a diaper change. Um, 
they take a little longer than I thought. I wound up being like six minutes behind. I thought like, oh, I could fast forward through the commercials in between rounds and I'll be caught up. But in any case, what were your thoughts on this uh, main event before it happened? And what are your thoughts on it now, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, going into this main event, I thought that Andrews was biting off a little bit more than he could chew against Machida. He's a seasoned veteran, former UFC light heavyweight champion. So I just thought Machida had the experience and the, you know, from that, just the knowledge to win. And even after the fight, I thought that the call went the right way. I know a lot of people were a little butthurt, but I think that it could have gone either way. And I didn't see Anders getting robbed here. Yeah, I could understand why he called out Machida because that's a big name to uh, put under your belt. And he probably wanted to test himself against an upper echelon guy who may be on the way out. And even if Machida is on his way out, I mean, he's been knocked out in his last couple of fights. He hadn't won a fight since 2014, I believe, uh, even though there was a, a long suspension in there. Uh, I think he wanted to test himself against one of those top guys. And it, on paper, it looks like he has a win over a former champion. Uh, you know, in the, in the long term, it's not going to look like uh, Machida was on his way out on paper. Um, I thought Machida looked good. I, I thought he went back to the old Machida with uh, a lot of the really great feints. And I thought the leg kick strategy was awesome against Anders. Uh, Anders a really explosive counter striker, but he was shut down by Machida's elusiveness. And we haven't seen this from Machida in a while. And he, he's very unorthodox in the way he evades strikes because he doesn't move his head off the center line. He moves his center line, which I, I, that's the best way I can think to describe it, but he just moves his entire body out of the way. And then there's nothing there uh, where you're throwing the strike. And I think Anders had a hard time picking up on that. He did land some significant strikes throughout the fight. And when he did land, he did damage, but I agree. I think the decision went the right way. Uh, I had it three rounds to two for Machida, uh, a decent win for him. I don't know how much it moves him up because I don't believe Anders was ranked. Uh, I don't know how much a win against Machida would have done for Anders, and I don't know how much a loss does for him because it seems like the UFC is behind him. Uh, he has kind of a cockiness to him that I don't really enjoy. Um, you know, his nickname is your boy, and that that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But I, I did have the feeling, the same feeling uh, about Mike Perry when he first came around, and and now I can say I'm a Mike Perry fan. So these guys do uh, warm up to me. Uh, any other thoughts on this main event here, Jeff? No, I was just going to say, I mean, Anders is your boy, Bill. So, <laughs> it's in his name. I hate you for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on here. Yeah, let's move on to the co-main event, which was probably the talk of the night. And Valentina Shevchenko making her flyweight debut in the UFC against Priscilla Cachoeira, who was making her overall UFC debut. Uh, she came in 10-0, and 0, I believe. Uh, so, undefeated. And the talk of the night, unfortunately, was not about Shevchenko's dominant performance, but about the refereeing by Mario Yamasaki, uh, who let this fight go on way longer than it probably needed to. And it was a tough call because Cachoeira was still hand fighting. She still was being active, but she took 230 unanswered blows. And that's too much for anybody. Uh, forget about a newcomer. Like, I think... I think they almost 
finished the autopsy before <laughs> Mario Yamasaki <laughs> Mario Yamasaki stepped in there. Um I, I tweeted last night, even Michael Chiesa thought that fight should have been stopped before the tap. <laughs> so I I don't know. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? I don't want to take away from Shevchenko's performance because a lot of people aren't talking about that. Um, you know, she made Khabib's grounded pound look like she she made Khabib look like Tom Hanks in there. I, I thought it was really vicious, and I think she was trying to send a message. What were your thoughts on the refereeing and Shevchenko's performance, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I thought the refereeing was bad. I thought it looked to me like Priscilla, I'm not going to try for her last name, but it looked to me like she tapped twice. It mm. looked like she tapped a little bit, and then the choke was still in there, and then she tapped again, and then the fight was stopped. But nothing away from Shevchenko's performance, dude. She was amazing in there. She was good everywhere. Her takedowns, um, well, I know she has them. It still always surprises me because she comes from a Muay Thai background, and she just added that in later. And, you know, stand-up was awesome. Ground and pound was absolutely vicious. I thought it could have been stopped in the first round. Um, and, dude, if I were a flyweight in the women's division, actually, if I were a flyweight, period, I would be deathly afraid of Shevchenko right now. Yeah, if I was the champion in the flyweight division, I'd be disappearing like Jermaine Durand to me. Like, no, you know what? This isn't my natural weight class, so uh, I'm good. You guys can have this. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. After the first round, I was throwing towels at my screen, and I was like, does her corner not care about her? Does she owe Mario Yamasaki money? Like, what's what's going on here? And I forgot about the fact that she tapped. Um, and I think that was just Shevchenko like, showing mercy by putting that choke in. Uh, because she was vicious with her ground and pound and she was, she probably could have just kept battering her face, but, um, you know, she realized like, uh, let me help her get out of here and give her the out and put a choke on her. But even then Yamasaki didn't stop it after the tap. I mean, I guess he doesn't want to get in a Michael Chiesa situation again. I, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, it, it seems like everything's kind of piling up with him. I don't know. I, I doubt the Brazilian athletic commission will, will do anything against him. Uh, I, I don't think he'll, he'll be reprimanded in any way. Dana White's not happy with him. He said that Yamasaki should never step foot in the octagon again, but uh, Dana White always kind of gets into it with these referees and he always has, uh, you know, the most harsh opinion about them. Uh, I, I do think that they need to be held accountable when something like this happens, you know, uh, a suspension or a talking to or fine. Uh, I don't know. Um, but there's really nothing that anybody could do except the athletic commission. I don't even know, you know, what their powers are in terms of this. Uh, I want to touch, uh, briefly on the Michelle Prezeris and Desmond green fight. Uh, so Prezeris missing weight by six pounds. Uh, which is pretty awful. I, you know, me and guys who miss weight, Jeff, it, it's one of my pet peeves in this sport. So I, I have to say I was pulling for green in this fight. Uh, green was really explosive when he needed to be. Uh, Prezeris almost finished with a north-south choke, which I can appreciate because that's one of my go-to chokes. I really enjoy that choke. Um, he didn't really turn the corner enough on it. And he wasn't really basing out wide enough. So with an explosive guy with green, I don't think I would go for that in the first place. And he put it in kind of lazy. He's finished a couple of people with the North South choke. And it's not something you see very often in the UFC. Uh, 
but yeah, he, he could have kept turning that corner. Uh, the, the best way to finish that choke is to go past 12 to about one o'clock, uh, around your opponent's head and then put the squeeze on. So he was just kind of, uh, relying on that extra six pounds of body weight, uh, he had, and it, supposedly he was like 180 pounds after the weigh-ins or something ridiculous like that. And, uh, green said that he would only fight him for 40% of his purse. And if he came down to 175 or something, so preserves had to cut twice, uh, which I think was a good call by Green. Uh, did you catch any of this fight, Jeff? And and uh, did you have an opinion on it? Yeah, I caught bits and pieces of this one. I got home a little late last night. But, dude, it, I was surprised with how ex explosive Desmond Green was in his escapes. And, you know, they worked for him. I, I thought he did an awesome job of not getting caught. Unfortunately, I thought Prezera's won. I thought the judges got it right. But, yeah, dude, Green really impressed me in, in being able to get out of some really dangerous spots. He got out of a guillotine. He exploded out of an arm triangle, which was super impressive. Usually, once that's sunk in, it's pretty much game over. So I was really impressed with Green's performance, despite the loss. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd be excited to see Green uh, back in there against an opponent who is actually respectful enough to make weight. Uh, so speaking of weight differences, Timothy Johnson had, I believe, a 40-pound weight advantage over Marcelo Gome in this heavyweight matchup, and Johnson playing spoiler, uh, defeating the undefeated Gome. Uh, so not a great night for undefeated fighters. You had Cachoeira, Eric Anders in the main and co-main events, and... Uh, Marcelo Gome all, you know, getting that one in the loss column. Uh, then we had uh, Douglas Silva, DeAndrage, uh, defeating Marlon Chito Vera uh, by decision. I wasn't too crazy about this fight, but it did get really heated towards the end. Uh, they started trying to keep scrapping after the final bell. And uh, let's see. Sergio Moraes with a split decision win over Tim Means. So uh, Tim Means having a, a pretty long streak of bad luck. Joe Soto getting knocked out with a body punch. Um, so Joe Soto's having a, a streak of bad luck as well. And then the last one I want to touch on, and then after I go through all of these, Jeff, you can kind of download and let me know if you have any thoughts after the fact, since I know you didn't see a lot of these fights, Tiago Santos, I, I thought had one of the most impressive performances against Anthony Smith. These guys were back and forth the entire first round. Uh, it was on the ground. It, it was, this fight was everywhere. There were sweeps. There was crazy striking. There were spinning kicks. Uh, but Santos put Smith down with a really vicious, uh, body kick and he was stumbling backwards and then he finished them off with some punches. So, uh, impressive performance by Tiago Santos, who, when he's healthy, he is one of the scariest strikers in this, uh, middleweight division. Uh, he took out Gerald Mearshart, uh, a couple of months ago who, you know, I've been really high on, on this show. Um, so I thought it was a really great performance by Santos. Any thoughts or opinions on any of those fights that I just kind of rattled through there, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I... I think I'm going to have to go back and watch that Santos fight because even on Twitter, there was a lot of hype about this one. Uh, someone saying, if I ever go to war, I'm taking Tiago Santos with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. I definitely got to go back and watch that one. Not a bad call. Uh, and uh, I might, I might bring him along too. Yeah. For anybody listening. Cause I know there are people who let me know that they watch the show looking for uh, recaps. If they didn't catch a card. Um, 
overall, this was not the most thrilling card, but if you're going to go back and watch anything, I would say, first of all, definitely check out the Shevchenko, uh, the Shevchenko fight. And second of all, the Tiago Santos, uh, Anthony Smith fight. That was a wild first round and it had a really crazy ending. So I know we're kind of blowing through everything here, Jeff, for the sake of time. And it's my fault because I got a cooler full of, um, stone beers i got a variety pack of stone ipas and i'm really excited to uh get to those do a little barbecue i would have invited you but you're like 1200 miles away um so next time we'll we'll throw back some beers but i'll get i'll give the report on that stone variety pack too there's a there's a double ipa in there there's the traditional stone ipa which i believe you and i have thrown back a couple of those and uh there's a pale ale in there and there's a single hop ipa uh, so I'm excited to try all of those. I'm also excited for the main event and the co-main event next week and not too much else. Um, maybe you could get me excited for something else here. Jeff, point out something I'm missing, but uh, USC 221 from Perth, Australia. Uh, I know that the pay-per-view numbers won't be terrible because you have Mark Hunt on the card and it's in Australia. So uh, you'll have that demographic buying this one, but uh, you know, Robert Whitaker had to pull out of the main event because his stomach is getting eaten from the inside out. So Yoel Romero stepping in against Luke Rockhold. And I assume the winner is going to get good. So now this is another interim title shot, but Whitaker was the interim champion until GSP relinquished the belt. There's, there's a whole lot of muddied up shit going on in the middleweight division. Anyway, Yoel Romero, Luke Rockhold for the interim title what are your thoughts on this fight jeff i like it i like the matchup i feel like both of these guys are really well rounded but i feel like rockwell i mean uh, i'm sorry romero's overall explosiveness is going to be a huge factor um i feel like if if it's a short fight it goes to romero if it's a longer fight i feel like it goes to rockhold we've seen especially against Whitaker, Romero's gas tank kind of uh, run out pretty quick, especially in the championship rounds. So I think Rockhold has that experience. He's been a champion in Strikeforce, a former champion here in the UFC. So if it's a marathon, it goes to Romero. If it's, I mean, I'm sorry, if it's a sprint, it goes to Romero. If it turns out to be a marathon, I think Rockhold gets it. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Romero does always have those explosions in the third round uh where he has a, he has a lot of knockouts in the, in the third rounds of fights. I don't know how he'll do going into the championship rounds. We've only seen him one other time uh go into the fourth and fifth rounds and that was against Robert Whitaker and we know how that turned out. So uh what what's interesting about this matchup is Luke Rockhold tends to drop his hands and I think he's been exposed in his last couple of fights for doing that. David Branch caught him in their last fight. Uh, and almost put him away in the first round. Um, and Romero, a lot of times he lulls guys into feeling comfortable and then explodes out of nowhere. So that those two facts don't bode well for Rockhold because if he comes in there like kind of relaxed with his hands down like he did against Michael Bisping, then Yoel Romero is going to explode on him because that's what he does. He lulls guys into a false sense of security, and then he comes out of nowhere with a big strike. Uh, I do think that Rockhold is the better grappler, but he's not the better wrestler. So if he can get Romero down, I think Romero's in trouble, but 
Romero, obviously a really high caliber wrestler uh, for the Cuban national wrestling team. So um, is a really interesting matchup. And I, I am really curious to see how it plays out. Uh, the co-main event, Mark Hunt and Curtis Blades. Um, you know, Mark Hunt making his return after getting pulled from a card a couple of months ago and the UFC saying that he had to take some concussion tests and things like that because Mark Hunt came out and released a video saying like he forgets where he is sometimes, or I forget what the details were, but the UFC was like, all right, well, we got to take you off the card. Uh, you can't really fault them for that. Uh, they said they would put him back on if he came out to Vegas and went through their doctors and got the concussion analysis and everything like that. He refused. Um, so Mark Hunt and the UFC continue to butt heads, but I don't want to get too deep into that kind of drama. Let's just talk about the fight. I think it's an interesting matchup uh, with Curtis Blades. I see these two wanting to, to stand and bang the whole time, and that's always exciting with the heavyweights. How do you see this one going, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, this one is going to be interesting. Uh, Curtis Blades, I remember, had that um, controversial decision at UFC 219, was it? The one in November? Uh-huh. Um, I remember being there for that. And, you know, Blades is a, is a tough dude, man. He hits hard. He's got pretty solid footwork. Uh, I think he can give Mark Hunt a lot of trouble. So I'm really interested for this matchup because, again, Hunt has that one-punch KO. So this is really, really interesting. But, Bill, I know you're not super excited about this card, but there's one more fight that stands out to me, and it's tied to Tuivasa. I don't know if I'm saying that right, versus Cyril Asker. Okay. Dude, Tuivasa is a tough dude, man. He's the that heavyweight that got that flying knee a couple uh, months back. Man. Um, which we don't see often at all at heavyweight. So I'm, I'm excited for that one too, man. Yeah. All right. So he did help me, uh, get a little bit more excited about this card, but really only the main card. I don't think I'll be tuning in for the fight pass prelims, but keep us updated on Twitter out there. If anything exciting is going on, let us know so we can tune in. You can get Jeff on Twitter at animal underscore Wilson. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere else on the internet, send me an email, MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. Jeff, anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap this one up this week? No, nah, that's all I got for you today, Bill. All right. In that case, for Jeff, the animal Wilson, my name is Bill Welker. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>